Welcome to the Nobody Told Me That podcast. My name is Teresa Duncan, and my goal is to share information that you probably weren't thinking about. I love preparing my friends for situations that may come completely out of the blue. I also want to share with you many of the tidbits I picked up over the years. If you absolutely have to tune out before the end of the show, make sure you check out the show notes for more details and information on today's topic. And thank you so much for making me a part of your day. We're back with another edition of Nobody Told Me That, and I'm just going to call this the Insurance Geek Edition Volume, I don't know, three, like four or five. I have Colleen Huff with me. Hi, Colleen. Hi, Teresa. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I am am ready to talk benefits, insurance, and, and listen, you can hear the excitement in both of our voices, and that's just the weirdest thing ever, right? Yes, it is. (laughs) <laughs> we are a unique group, and I know there's more than just you and I out there. <laughs> well, we had recently uh, the virtual insurance party, and that was a lot of fun. It was about 50, 50 that um, made it, and it was sold out at like 110. And when I say sold out, I meant like just capped because I didn't charge for it. I just wanted to get a bunch of insurance geeks together and you were very gracious in helping to moderate one of the rooms claims encoding and we can talk about you know some of the stuff that came out of that but yeah when insurance geeks get together it really to me it's a beautiful thing I know people don't get it but it's beautiful to me <laughs> well you know it, it the other thing that I think people find out is they realize they're not alone it's not just them it's not they're only they're not the only ones struggling you know mm-hmm. and that's where I find a lot of People, when they finally find those little communities, they're like, ooh, there's someone else that enjoys the same challenge I do, too. Right. Yeah. They won't make fun of me like my, you know, assistant does or my hygienist does. That's pretty much it. Um, Okay. So it is important to know other people that love your expertise. But I think even what we've learned over the years is that it can even go regional. So you really have to know either what you're doing regionally or know other people that can help you out. And to that point, um, you have some updates. You're in upstate New York, and you have some updates on what's going on in that area. You want to share? Yeah. So recently, and anybody who's in, I'm in western New York, upstate New York, throughout New York State, um, Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield has recently taken over for the local Blue Cross Blue Shields. And there's been a lot of confusion with it. Um, They officially took over in January. And um, an office I was working with, we spent a lot of time trying to determine because they changed where the claims are going to. So your claims were traditionally going to a P.O. box in Buffalo. And now some of the plans, but not all, are now going through United Concordia. And and. Unfortunately, but not necessarily atypical, the communication on how that was happening was very, very poorly done. And if any from from Highmark is on or listening to this, I plan on, you know, I've I've spoken to some of them there too. And so how the offices were supposed to be, if they weren't signed up with United Concordia, there was misinformation on that. And the answer is a strong resounding yes, you do need to be in network. And there was no information really sent to the offices regarding that. And then originally they were supposed to have all the transition done by the end of March. 
So offices started sending claims to United Concordia per the information. And what I've now discovered after a lot of phone calls and emails and finally getting a rep local, which you always keep that phone number handy, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be continuing to transition throughout the year. So, you know, Mr. Smith can come in the door today on August 1st and have that it's still going to Blue Cross Blue Shield in Buffalo. And September 1st, it has to go to United Concordia. So if you have a substantial amount of business with those companies, like you are, you are at high risk of cash flow uh, being impacted by, you know, the credentialing piece or the, the transition piece, not the credentialing, the transition piece. And then processing of claims can really be, <laughs> I mean, forget it. And, and then the other part that people don't think about is that the employee that has to track all this and follow up on claims that's a huge loss of opportunity, time that they could be spending with other, with patients and with other, you know, productive tasks. Well, and, and this, like the difficulty comes in, you know, if they're in the end of August and you see them, you're sending the claim to one address and now they come in in September, maybe in a week or two for some work and when and how do you change that? And there's even been confusion and difficulty on, Blue Cross Blue Shield's part, they were sending claims back as if it was supposed to go to United Concordia, and they were wrong. So, you know, at times you have to have an elaborate spreadsheet that you're keeping track of things. Or, And that's what I recommended. This one office is having a really hard time getting them all in order and knowing where mm-hmm. she's sending what dates. So I'm going to, we're developing a spreadsheet for it. But I just wanted to let anybody who's in the New York State, or if you're in different states and, and you know, Blue, Highmark has taken over, you may be going under some of the same struggles. And from the side of the insurance company, I spoke to a rep for the members and he said that, you know, unfortunately they thought they'd transition it by the end of March and it didn't happen. And now they're trying to do it slower because of errors. So, well, and which would be fine if there was transparency and communication. Yeah. Like, honestly, like we're not, we're not asking them to, you know, turn water into wine. It just, let us know so that we can make plans and adjust our report expectations, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And other transitions have been smoother. I know, I know there's been others that have taken over and you get, you know, a letter every week that you're reaching the point of, I got it, you know, but this one mm-hmm. and the first office I worked with, the person was not as proficient at keeping track of those things. So I really thought it was her missing it, but I've since encountered and had questions and spoken with others in different parts of the state. And these were people that were, you know, they keep all their letters and they keep that information. It really wasn't communicated the way it it needed to be or that made it clear, you know, when you're consistently hearing the same thing. So the whole spreadsheet thing, let's just kind of even go even more basic and more, you know, nerdy here. So Excel or Google Sheets or whatever you use for spreadsheets, now the, today's insurance coordinator has to know how to operate a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. you know, because... It, it's just word doesn't do it. You need a spreadsheet to track insurance companies, um, follow up dates, all that kind of thing. So if you are an insurance coordinator or somebody who's taking over that area, if you are not good with it, there are so many free classes online, whether you go to someplace like Coursera um, or Udemy, I think is mm-hmm. how you say it. U- Udemy or Udemy. I, I think, think it's Udemy. Udemy. Uh, yeah. And then also, just tons of tutorials on, on YouTube on how to make sure it's current because it changes all the time. But 
lots of different ways to, to change data and take a look at data. And sometimes you just need a, something to keep good track on. And you want to have this uh, spreadsheet saved to your server mm-hmm. so that someone else can access it if they need to from, from their desktop. But also if there's ever you know, a crash or something like that, a lot of times people don't realize that the local um, computers, the ones that you're on, do not have uh, backup to the cloud like the main server does. And you don't want to lose all your work. And, and that's pretty much for most of what you do. I would always make sure it's backing up to the server. So I, I can't tell you how many offices I've worked with that have made that critical mistake. And there's like, like all my insurance letters are gone. So, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, that was just Excel 101 pretty much. So uh, let's talk about... Speaking of Excel and speaking of tracking, you and I have been back and forth via text and and on phone about a certain topic and, you know, a spreadsheet could help for these people, but there's just so many challenges and I'm talking about offices that are taking over, Uh, you're taking over an office or you're bringing somebody in as a transition and yeah, I, I know what you're talking about and you and I were commiserating, but I want you to take the lead on this because you have been having some, ooh, you've had some doozies lately, haven't you? I have. Um, The biggest challenge, I've recently been working with a number of offices, and I'm going to be working with some offices that are new, um, that have either opened new practices or brought a doctor on, and their lack of understanding of what's required of how do I, how to let the insurances know this person is working with them. And, you know, it, it prompts me to, you know, now I think I'm going to develop a course on this, of, you know, the, the, the 101 on how, how to sign up and what you need to do. And even if you're going to be out of network with everybody, if you're sending those claims, you still have to identify that doctor. And I'm discovering just a, a lack of understanding or misinformation. You know, I, I called you about the one the other day that a, a lawyer told a doctor that they can still bill under the old owner's information while the credential is happening. And and we both know that that opens them up to such liability in so many different right. ways. And it, it makes me nervous. And then I get paranoid for them. Well, and, and the conversation, just so that people know, like where, where that conversation went between you and I is, is that we, we sort of thought that this was maybe not a dental lawyer, mm-hmm. Um, this was somebody who deals with contract law, but not specific to dentistry, because a dental lawyer would know about these little bitty nuances. And and that is why, seriously, if you hire a lawyer, you cannot have like Cousin Vinny, who's good at one thing, <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, comes in and does contracts. That's not the way it goes. So make sure you hire somebody who specializes in what exactly you need. So the other piece of that was... Uh, we had possibly a doctor who was listening to other doctors who had were saying, I've done it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't, they're just trying to scare you. And unfortunately the only doctor who ends up getting audited is the one that listens to the other doctors. It's just, it's almost like a Murphy's law situation. So, okay. So how did that end up? Did you, you know, I I never followed up with you on the conversation. Well, at at this stage we're re-credentialing. The doctor has fixed the information that they had. Um, And right now they know they're going to have a slight cash flow problem because until it catches up, which is some of the reason why, the doctors, I think, do it the way they do it is they don't want to have that cash flow. But the reality is 
you need to do it right from the start and understand that in that purchase time, you may have some cash flow. Um, you, right. You're going to have that yeah. delay. You can't bring on a, a heart surgeon into a hospital and let them start practicing until like before the malpractice kicks right. in. That would never happen. So why are you doing it here? You're opening yourself up to liability, audits, fines, whatever, ethics violations. You don't want any ethics violations for sure. No. Okay. So what I want to um, talk about though is setting those expectations. We need to set expectations on on that, the first one, obviously, is that it's going to take a little bit to credential. And the second one for me is you have to be able to talk to your patients about that and set the expectation for your associate that the patients may want to get a ton of stuff done, but you're not credentialed yet. So, you know, chill a little bit. Those That's what I've run into a lot. But you said you have a lot of things you want to talk about with doctors and offices who are in this situation. So... Go for it, Colleen. What what would Colleen do? <laughs> well, some of it is, you know, <laughs> there is the possibility of when is it going to start. So you can start getting ahead of the game with these associates, It, you know, when you know they're going to be coming on board. There's a lot of the insurances will let you send it in with the start date. Um, I did this with a practice that was opening up. You know, we started credentialing a month and a half before and had a tentative start date that it was going to begin some of them will backdate for you too. So if you do find yourself in the situation that you kind of put the cart before the horse, call and ask. I mean, I've had major insurance companies backdate for me because of they wanted you to stay in network. They wanted they they wanted to keep the office happy, which they think they never they never want to do that, but they do. And so mm-hmm. don't instantly assume that you can't see those patients or, you know, it does become a little bit of a logistic nightmare for the front because they're trying to make sure they're the patients are used to someone in network and they want the doctor busy, you know, so there's, there's mm-hmm. some things you can do on that front. Um, and, you know, you have to take it a little bit at a time, you know, don't, unless you have someone who can dedicate, you know, a number of hours and days to it immediately, you are going to do this in, in step, you know, so it may be the main insurances that you see and you know, they're going to schedule the doctor with and make sure you're communicating with the front so that your administrative team you know, it's not, oh, I told you, you can't see that person. Again, you're going to need a spreadsheet that everybody can see is probably the best way to do it. And, you know, I used to always use highlighters on my forms. You can highlight those forms so they can easily find, <laughs> you know, I do different color coding. I always do that. Well, and that's, and you're talking about like in the morning huddle Correct. too, and like letting yeah. it on the schedule. And that's, you know, I'm hoping everybody has at least one meeting. I know we call it morning huddle, but I know I've run into so many offices now that are like, not in the morning. Yeah. Nobody wants yeah. to talk in the morning. We talk about the next day, <laughs> right. like at lunch or right. whatever. It's kind of yeah. funny. So yeah, at the morning huddle, you can coordinate all that. And you don't even have to do it in front of the whole team. Mm-hmm. You and the associate and the associate's assistant can really, you, you can have that conversation separately. Well, and I know there's offices too that, you know, you just, even some administrative teams do their own huddle either before or after if they're not doing it with the whole team. Mm-hmm. And in It's a lot of it is, you know, as we know, it comes down to detail. If you're going to be an insurance coordinator, you have to be organized with it. But making your doctor understand the importance of it sometimes, too, gets a little frustrating. And you and I both know with AI that's coming up and showing itself in these insurances, a lot of these, I've always done it this way and never been caught, is going to change. Absolutely. And I I was talking to one of the companies last week and... The software has progressed 
faster than I thought it was going to, which, you know, kind of makes sense. AI learns as it goes, you know? So uh, it's, it's going to be here so fast. I mean, it's here. Let me just be clear on that. It's here. We both know it's here, but it's going to be in your face pretty soon. Uh-huh. So one, one interesting, I had it just as an aside, I had a, a training with an office last week and, and they were saying, well, when are they going to um, deploy this AI? And does that mean everything's going to be scrutinized? And I thought, you know what, I need to podcast about this because you and I both know that there's no way the insurance carriers are scrutinizing every claim that goes in. So I know it feels like every one of your claims are being scrutinized, but the reality is they only are able right now to uh, to really evaluate maybe what like single digit percentage of the claims claim volume. But with AI, claim volume will be they'll be able to cut that down. My thing though <laughs> is that if they start flagging too many things now, you have the insurance company having to figure out time to address all of that. So I think, I think they're going to create work for themselves. And I apologize, audience, AI is artificial intelligence that's using computers and computer learning to identify patterns and trends and that sort of thing. And the insurance carriers are deploying that in the uh, fraud arena to detect fraud and also to evaluate your clinical notes and to evaluate your uh, radiographs. And that's something that I know you and I love to talk about, but we let's stay on task, and I'm I'm saying that more to me because I get off topic. Here, so, <laughs> yes, there's such thing as squirrel. Yeah, except for us, it's insurance topics, you know. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's a real geeky yeah. squirrel. But yeah, go ahead. so go ahead. So you have uh, an uh, an associate who's just ripping and raring to go, but we got to temper. We do, that. we do, and you have to as long as the team understands and the doctor understands what's going on. You take your incremental steps and you take care of it. But for the doctors that are looking to even purchase a practice, knowing that you're going to have to do some of that work and, you know, outsourcing it, finding someone else to do it is always a a good way to do it, too, in terms of letting the people that are used to doing this all the time handle that part for you. If you have a team member who's an insurance coordinator, they need to still coordinate with those people. But you have to take you have to understand that it is a huge undertaking. And if you're going to give this to your Insurance coordinator, she's going to need help on other things. Someone else may need to pick up the task because it is, it's not, I wouldn't say it's necessarily difficult. It's just time consuming. You know, there's. Well, I think that's our, that's, that's insurance, right? It's the core of it. It's not that difficult. It's just so time consuming. Well, and every insurance is different. You know, I can remember when I set up one of my offices, I had one that had 75 page contract. And of that was probably 15 pages we had to fill out. And then it has to take 90 days. And I had another one that was two pages. And within two days, we were on their list. So there's, and everything wow. in between, because one, there was, they didn't really credential. It was a, a, a labor board, but you still had to send them all the info with a W-9 form and the current and all of that information. They were quick. And others are going to, you know, I have a doctor that I had to explain to her that just because she's credentialed under a hospital, that doesn't mean they recognize her in her new practice. And so that's that's interesting because you have doctors that are like, I'm in their system, but you may be in their system for a totally different network or not, you know, not credentialed for this level. You're just kind of the regular dentist who sends in claims at a network. So it's a different level. So you're saying one of the first steps is to find out what the requirements are from the insurance companies, keeping that in a spreadsheet. And then 
going forward with credentialing is where you go next. Let's, let's walk them through some steps. Yeah, I take the ones that are the most difficult and get those out the door. You know, the ones that are going to be the 90 days, those are the ones you want to do first. Um, the ones that are going to be a quick send the W-9 attached, that, that's sometimes all they need. With that first claim that comes in the door, all they want is a W-9 if the person's already in their system. Um, if you're signing them up to, they're not they're not a PPO or it's a whole new tax ID and things like that, you have to be careful because I've also seen a doctor assumes that they're going to recognize them at that new address and claims and money gets paid to the wrong place. And so that's another thing that can happen if you don't take the steps. So find out the ones that are gonna take the longest, get those out the door first, and then slowly work your way through it. Um, you may wanna pick the top 20 insurances that you're billing to start with, and then worry about the little guys as they come in the door. Cause there's always right. gonna be, you know, that outlier that you see three people from. So in, in our world of portals, sometimes you can do this via the portal where you upload the W-9, the, all of the licenses and stuff. And so it's important to point out that we're not just talking about credentialing in-network. A lot of people think it's, that's how you get on a plan. But even as a new provider in a new location, new office, all that, what you were just saying, they need to see that the doctor is legit, um, matches, address, all that kind of stuff. So you have to send in information so they can put it into their system. So this applies to out-of-network and in-network right. providers. And and I know sometimes offices that are fee-for-service or out-of-network, usually they'll hear something like credentialing and think it doesn't apply to them, but it does. Well, it does. And it comes down to, like, even when I worked at MetLife, I can remember getting a claim and you'd put somebody in and you'd get an error and you had to go to a separate screen and you had to pick what office it was supposed to be paying to. And so this might have been a doctor that worked at two practices, or it was a new one, but there were ways that it had to go through. And if you couldn't find them, then you had to send it to someone that was then looking to add them to the system. But I've seen the biggest problem is making sure it doesn't get payment sent to the wrong place, because that just adds, you know, and problems. And, and like you said, too, we know, or like we've talked about before, and we know that these insurance companies have rules and regulations they have to follow up how their networks are, are listed and where the doctors are. And there's, there's things they have to do on their end, which might be why it takes a little bit of time. Yeah. And, and what Colleen's talking about is network transparency, where there's so many rules like California, for example, is pretty, pretty good about this. They actually legislated that the carriers have to follow certain rules, meaning like if you get out of a network, you're that that's got to be reflected within a certain number of days. And, and the reason that's important is your patients are looking online in the directories. And if they see that you're, you're listed, they're going to assume that you're in network. Well, what happens if you went out of network the first of that month? Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that the directory is updated. And the other more, I think, annoying problem is when you have multi-location offices that credential all of their doctors at all of their locations and then you have to track and make sure all of those have come down, too. And, and an example of that is if they work for a big DSO, they will most likely, if they're working in, say, New Jersey, they, they will most likely have been credentialed at about 15 different offices. Yep. Meanwhile, they've only set foot in one. But you have to make sure that that comes down for all of the locations. And, and that became an issue. I think you probably dealt with this. That became an issue when... 
a doctor went for negotiations and to get a good fee schedule, and they were already listed at a lower fee schedule at an office right up the street because the DSO had credentialed them all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that was very hard to get around. That was years ago, but that was really hard for me to get around. Have you run into that? Um, I haven't run into that specifically. I've run into where the checks are going in the wrong place because it's not updated correctly. Um, I've run into the doctors not listed. Um, I had a doctor locally that, and this was for state Medicaid, They and she had updated, but it, they didn't double check it. And she was still listed at an office that her and I had, had worked together 15 years earlier as her main location. And because the person in charge, no one had ever been double checking, it was never updated properly. And that's the other thing, just because you send it in doesn't mean it gets done the right way. So we also have to follow up. (laughs) And so this particular, I mean, I almost burst out laughing because her and I hadn't worked together in 15 years and it was still listing the office that we had worked together at as her main location. That is, that is very funny. So, and and you can't keep track of this without this spreadsheet. I mean, you just you just can't. It's almost impossible you, unless you're sticky note queen and and no one's acting. No. you're gonna miss something. So, okay. Now, speaking of networks, we didn't talk about this before, so I'm gonna just throw some stuff out at you. But I know you know what you're talking about. Speaking of networks, Medicare Advantage is uh, huge issues for a lot of people because they just don't know what's going on. What do you think the confusion is mostly? Is it because they don't realize it's different than Medicare or do they just, are they confused because they don't know if it's a different network? Like where do you see the main issue, the big cry coming from? I think because about what, five or six years ago, there was so few of the plans and they didn't really matter. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, there was a couple in your area, you either were in or out of network and it really only covered cleaning exam and x-ray and everything else was out of pocket. So whether you were in or out of network didn't matter. And you and I both know in the last three years, that's shifted a lot. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. also shifted from you had to be in network with all of them to there's a lot of them with that out of network benefit. And they don't realize that just because you're under say United Healthcare, that there isn't a separate fee schedule. They assume it goes by the United Healthcare. And they have to understand it's similar to, and I don't want to say it's the same as Medicaid, but it's their their own fee schedules with majority of the insurance companies. And there are a few that the, follow their own same one, but not many. Well, and the insurance carriers too, they're, they're looking, many of them have created their own separate Medicare Advantage network with their own website, mm-hmm. area on the website with lots of FAQs. So if you've got you know, a Humana or United Healthcare or Medicare Advantage plan, go to the website and see what they have to say about it. And then also find out about this fraud, waste, and abuse training yeah. that is required. That That's a big issue, though, is that the it's hard to believe that the carriers wouldn't know all of the requirements that come with dealing with Medicare, but there are quite a few carriers that are dental only, and I think they're still finding out along the way that there's all these requirements and reporting requirements. I'm wondering if this market's going to shake out because I'm sure some of the carriers that got into it are like, whoa, this administrative burden on us is too high. I think there's going to be some shaking out. I think there's some that are doing it really good. I like to see the shifts that have happened for the patient's sake. I am thrilled for the seniors that we now can cover the crowns, the bridges, the partials, the dentures, the root canals, and all of that. But the fraud, waste, and abuse you mentioned, and I want to make sure people understand that whether you're in or out of network, if you bill it 
for that patient, or if that patient's going to take it home and bill it for themselves, you're still required to do that fraud, waste, and abuse training. If your name is going on a claim form and it's everybody in the office, it used to be just the insurance coordinator or office manager many, many moons ago. I sat there and did my little fraud, waste, and abuse. Um, but I want to say three years ago, it might even be four, it is the entire team, doctor and all, have to do this. Assistant, Assistant too. Hygienist, anyone that's in the office is required to do that training. So what about the, can you do it as a group or do you have to do it separately, each person taking the um, class? Because that, that's going to be, you're going to have offices that are like, oh, no, we're just not. So that. you're supposed to do it separately. I do know that there's one that you can, there's a couple you can do it right online. And that as long as you keep an attendance record, I've understood that they will accept that. There are companies out there that allow them to do it individual and get a certificate. I know the doctors roll their eyes at me every time I tell them they have to do this. The hygienists and assistants think it's ridiculous. But, and the reason for the shift, and I talked to someone directly at Delta was the first one that indicated it when they first were doing it. And I talked to one of my buddies who's no longer with them, and I miss greatly, my Frank at Delta. And he said the reason is because everybody from the front to the back is touching the patient, so they could be. And once they realized we had clinical records and the, the clinical team was the one putting in the work, that opened them up to it. And so that's the reasoning behind it. So <laughs> this is why dentistry does not want to do very much with the Center for Medicare right. Services. This is I why. And it, it's because the, the burden is huge. Lots of reporting. As an administrator, yeah, as an insurance administrator, you got to keep track of who does the training. But as a manager, now you have to make that part of the onboarding mm -hmm. process so that you can just, you know, and there's another couple hours that the person's unproductive mm -hmm. and, and you're paying them for it. But it is what it is. It's the cost of doing business. We have to make peace with that. So that that's really nuts. Now, I, I was not 100% sure about the clinical training. So now, you know, and this is what happens, you guys, when Colleen and I talk, is our presentations, we have to go back and tweak them because I learned something from her. She learned right. something from me. And it's like, oh, we got to go back and tweak our presentations. Oh, goodness. So, okay. So everybody has to take that training. And you can take it from, from Medicare itself, or you can go directly to the website, like you said, that, that offers it. The challenge is, is if you're in, in network with 20 different plans, you don't want to take 20 different fraud, waste, and abuse trainings, you know, so that's, that's well, the issue. But you can take one and it can count for others too, as long as you have proof that you've done it. And I'm going to be doing a mm -hmm. podcast for ADAM at the end of the month on this whole subject. And I'll have some links in that of places you can go. There's a company called BioServe USA. They are a medical waste company, but they do online training that I highly recommend for all of your training because it's a very inexpensive, comprehensive, and they keep up on these things for your state if they're in your state. So you can get all of the training for when you onboard someone or for yearly, and it gives you a certificate for all of it. So... What's the name of that company? Bioserve USA. I can even okay. send you. I'll yeah, link it. I'll send you the email of the woman that I used, and it's you can get, for example, for like I think it turns out to be like thirty eight dollars, all of the training you need for all year, every year, or less, depending on if you know the ones you don't have to do every year. So when somebody new comes in, it takes about a day. It is a day of tra of trainings they do, 
But we used to do it as a team. We would all come into the office, we'd watch the videos together, and then I'll go to our own computers to take the test. So we each had our certification. And so we used it as a day mm-hmm. that when the doctor was on vacation or something as a team building. And the first year we did it, they all, I will say, they were rolling their eyes at me and they really didn't want to <laughs> be there, but they wanted money and they wanted to get paid. And <laughs> when the day was like, we did the fraud, waste and abuse for the first time with them. It was the first year that it was required. And what was fascinating was it brought up conversations in the office and it, and it opened up an area and a conversation that made them, the, the clinical team understand what some of what we were dealing with and vice versa. And after that, they kind of found it a fun day. Not that it's thrilling to do your, you know, infection control right. and all of that every year, but it was a nice way to do it as a team that you're not relying. Now I know other offices will assign it. The people can do it from home. They pay them for the time. And they give them like a month to finish all the trainings, but, but they have a fraud, waste and abuse and they do the states that they're in. They do specific to that state. Like I'm in New York. So we have all sorts of new stuff they keep coming up with that I have to train on. Um, (laughs) It's almost as bad as California. Oh goodness. Yeah. California is something else. I tell you all my, all our listeners in California, you guys were our hats off to you because being a manager in California is like the black belt. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like the black belt of, of managing because of all the rules and regulations you have to keep on top of. I mean, just HR wise, you know, you got to consult your lawyer before you talk to somebody, talk to your employee. <laughs> oh, New York's not too far behind. We for I run a local chapter for ADOM and we actually spent three meetings trying to come up with a list of everything as a manager you have to do, you know, um, daily, weekly, monthly and yearly and all of the requirements and all of the testing. And it was amazing the, the page and a half that we came up with of what's required. And legal, I mean, that that's required yes. legally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's it's, it's crazy. And, and that's why we, we as managers should be paid yes. pretty decently yeah. because we have to track a ton of stuff that in the corporate world, you would have four different people track four different departments. Absolutely. This, but but that is another squirrel that has rode in and <laughs> that we've ridden on and, and we need to put that yeah. squirrel out because let's go back to <laughs> credentialing. Let's go back to new offices. So, okay. So what about communicating this difference to the patient? I mean, how do you handle the conversations with patients when they expected A, but oops, we did B. How, how do you handle You mean that they end up out of network versus in network? Yes. So those are the times that I think um, I know a lot of offices will charge and charge the insurance that PPO fee when possible, when they're aware of it. And then you have to make a decision on how you're going to track the patients. I know others have just kept them from the, the doctor that's out of network until that time, or they give them a choice. There's been pay- offices I know that you know, we're in the process of adding this doctor. We can have you see her, but unfortunately right now she is not considered one of our in-network dentists. You know, this is the best estimate we have if you're willing to wait for other doctor, but because of this, he's booked out a little while or she's booked out a little while and sometimes give the choice to the patient. And depending on the difference, the, the biggest ones you have to be careful of are like the guardians that the out-of-network changes the percentages versus you know, others that don't do that. You, you, a lot of times your co-pays are very close. Well, and, and you and I talked about that. It's changing though. I mean, I would say 
for 2022, if you're listening to this beyond 2022, that was accurate for right now. Uh, 2023, 2024, I mean, I, I'm seeing the plans pay really, uh, the, the difference is getting to be uh-huh. ridiculous, honestly. Like, it's so big. Instead of paying at 100% of your UCR, they're still paying at 100% of their fee schedule, and they're like, yeah, you figure yeah. it out. So, you know, 100% of your $75 cleaning, for example, uh, and you're, you only get $44, which is the allowed amount, and you're thinking, wait a second, I thought... It was going to be a hundred percent of something closer to that. And, and I think that's changing a lot. I think carriers are clued into the fact that they can, they can do that and that's their cost saving measure and they have every right, right to do that. And the other thing you can do if that does happen, I've always had, depending on what type of plan, sometimes go back to the HR and see if there's something they can do. If it's the, those self-insured plans, sometimes you can get them to, to adjust that, but you have to try to be as open in the communication with the patients as possible and giving them that choice. Right. Um, I had an office that was a very high volume. And when they added the doctor with the delays, that's what they were doing. They were making the, giving them the choice. You know, yes, we're in the process. We're hoping this will happen in the next week or so. But as of today, Dr. So-and-so is out of network. He could see you tomorrow. This is the estimate. Or you could wait, but it might be a month or so before we can get you in for the work and give the patient. It's, it all comes down to communication. You and I have all ta- always taught that, you know, a happy patient is patient that has an idea of what they're going to pay. It, the surprise mm-hmm. payments are the ones that they start yelling at us for. If we're up front with them. Right. 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 Yeah. I don't like surprises. Yeah. And I'm, I know our patients don't, I especially surprise bills but even a surprise party calling that would be a little bit more like annoying too because you're supposed to you're going to want to dress up in something nice you're getting a lot of pictures and 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 you could say to that person like dude you could have given me a heads up i'd have worn a different outfit or something so you know what i mean like so surprises surprises anyways uh okay so we're going to go ahead and wrap this up because honestly you, you give so much information when you come onto these podcasts I've heard from other other insurance geeks that when you're on uh when Delane's on when Christine Taxon's on they have to go back and listen to the conversations like like two or three times because they missed something the first time around so I I want to respect well, that Well I appreciate that thank you <laughs> I, I I will say I've done that with Delane when she's on myself so I have replayed. Delane's great. Uh, We're talking about Delane Glogie. She's just, she's fantastic. So I'm, I'm, it's about time for me to circle back and get her back on because I'm sure she's been hearing some, some doozies out there. That's really the, the beauty of it was when we get on a call, we should just start recording our calls to each other saying, (laughs) this is how it goes guys. Hey, have you heard of this? No, that's nuts. (laughs) Tell me more. That's about it. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Yeah. And if I call her and she's like, oh, no, I need yeah. to look into this. And and then, you know, then the second phone call is, okay, so I yeah. found out. <laughs> I think people would crack up at our calls. Or so. even the late okay. night text message. I, do you have a minute? I heard a doozy today. <laughs> you know. It's fun. And that's why you need to have some some good people that you work with and can commiserate with and share information with and and you got to find who you're you know the, your people the the things that you're passionate about you got to find absolutely your 
circling around that. So, so I am grateful for you, Colleen, coming on. I'm grateful for your friendship and, and we will put links in the show notes so that people can find you and follow you. And you're giving lots of good information out there on the road. So they need to find you and attend one of your classes. And my goodness, we'll both be at ADOM. This will probably come out after ADOM, but we'll both be at ADOM. You're teaching I an insurance am. class yes, at ADOM. I am. I'm excited. So am I. My yeah. first time so. speaking there. Well, teaching there. I've been on stage announcing things, but that's about it. So that's <laughs> a big, that's a big difference. Yeah, it Molly. is. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be teaching at the same time. I would love to come and see you. And that's really the the problem nowadays, Colleen, is that you and I are now speaking often at the same time at these places. We can't go in and, and heckle each other. I know, like that's a lot of fun so. from the back. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, Lord. All right, dear listeners, uh, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Colleen, thank you again, and we will see you on the next episode. We're all super busy, so thank you for making time for me today. The show notes will have any links that we referenced in this episode. You can also find links for my book and for my live events and webinar schedule. I speak often around the country on management and insurance issues. Come hang out with me in one of my classes. I promise you'll laugh and learn.